0: Thank you for joining the online ministry of New Life Fellowship. May you be blessed by the Word of God. As you can see, I do not have a handout tonight. If you have a notebook or something to write with, you can. But I have a preference here tonight that you would write what I'm saying and what I'm teaching on the tablets of your heart. Some things you can be taught. But some things can only be caught. Some things I can instruct you in, but other things um, can only be felt by your own spirit. And that is where we are tonight. I'm reading from uh, not one of the uh, translations that I memorize from, but I read from uh, the NIV just tonight for... A little bit of clarification in our hearing, and this comes from the book of Romans, chapter eleven. And I'll begin with verse eleven. And Paul is going to admonish this church at Rome, which is an interesting place to have served the Lord. Rome, in, a, in its in, a, in its own background, uh, is 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 filled with great debauchery. The Caesars. Uh, of Rome uh, have delved deep into uh, many inappropriate sinful activities. Rome will misplace its own governmental senate. The senate of Rome will be displaced for what we would know as 365 days of games. There was more than just one Colosseum. For entertainment, there were many smaller areas or arenas of, of entertainment. Notwithstanding hippodromes, which would feature uh, maybe an elongated type horse racing areas where chariots would race, horses would race. Um, adopted from the Greeks, um, there was wrestling and there was events. When you combine that with the, with the perversions of other sinful activities, Rome has fallen deep into debauchery. The great Roman Empire, which boasted of aqueducts and water drainage and sewage, uh, unlike any other civilization, that boasted of Roman roads that extended far beyond their own region and who would overcome smaller territories, and then control them by allowing them to have some self-governing ways. This particular nation of Rome, um, they enjoyed their um, their own benefit of brilliant minds, but then fell to great travesty under both the games and also of sexual perversions. This is exactly where America lies today. We are, in all respects, an infant nation. We are, what, maybe not yet 250 years old. We have fallen to gaming, games, entertainment in a continual cycle and also sexual perversions. We now are emblematic of those other empires that fell and they fell headlong without any consideration of what might happen. In that respect, when I read of the book of, Rome's, of Romans, I speak of the church. The church which had been baptized in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. The church, like all of the other churches, that had obeyed the spirit of the Lord, the commandments of God, that they had, that they had adopted uh, all that they could in their own realm, being Gentiles, of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and that they had repented of their sins and been born again of the water and the Spirit and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Paul will admonish them to do many things, but there are things that they had to deal with in the church of Rome. Not only were there saints living in Caesar's household, as we read in the scripture, But there were also issues among the church that had to be corrected and straightened and and encouraged even to make sure that they were in alignment with the apostles and also with the church that was um, rapidly folding in Jerusalem. I'm reading now from verse 11, and again I read from the version that I do not memorize from, but gives us some clarity. Paul writes, and I read for you. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Speaking of the Jews, not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Why would that happen in verse 11? Because the Jewish people knew that salvation was of the Jews. This is the reason why Peter took some of the Jewish circumcised men with him to the house of Cornelius. In fact, when they began to speak with other tongues, in Acts chapter 10 verse 46, he turned to those circumcised Jews and he asked the question, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Who was he appealing to? He was appealing to the circumcised Jews, which had been born again of the water and the Spirit. In chapter 11 of the book of Acts, he did the same thing. He went back and they questioned him. Who was he talking to? He was talking to the born again believers that were of the circumcision, the Jews. And why would Peter make the appeal? Because he had never seen, nor had they known, that the Gentiles would receive The apostolic doctrine. Amen. Thanks for that, Brother Barber. Yes, that's right. And you can all say something, but uh, we'll wait to the next good point. Um, This is a critical moment because there is a bridge, and the bridge is critical. This is not the bridge, but there was a bridge earlier, both with the Ethiopian eunuch and with the Samaritans, but this is, the, this is the introduction, the open door to the entire Gentile race to receive the gospel. Paul's writing, did they stumble beyond recovery? No, no, the Jews aren't completely cut off, he said, but the Lord allowed this to happen. It might awaken them that they might say, oh, we cannot allow just someone else to receive this it also belongs to us. Verse 12, but if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? In other words, when they come back to this, there's going to be a great fullness, a great riches to all the world because the Jewish people have accepted and received The message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, death, burial, resurrection. I am talking to you, Gentiles. Verse thirteen. Inasmuch as as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry. So, pause on thirteen just to say Paul is going to identify his authority among the Gentiles. He's boasting of the fact that he has the privilege to minister to the Gentile people. Verse fourteen. In the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people. Because Paul was a Jew by birth. Arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. In other words, they need to know they can't let this slip from their hands. This was given to them first. Even Paul will say to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In that order. Always in that order. And even Jesus said, I've come to my own people and they receive me not. He came to his own people, and they received him not. But to as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So you have to understand, and I hope this is not offensive to us, because Americans are so arrogant we think this all began with us. It did not begin with us. It began with Jesus Christ to his own people, which were the Jewish people. Yes, and I got four yeses on that. Verse 15 For if the rejection of the Jewish people is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Incredible. So in other words, they rejected, you get to be brought in, but it's going to be greater, Paul said, when they are coming back in. If part if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Oh, now we get into something. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root you were grafted in, don't boast over those other branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so I could be grafted in. Granted, yes. But they were broken off because of unbelief, not just for your sake. And you stand here by faith. They were broken off because they didn't believe. But you stand here by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, don't think you're going to be spared either. Oh my. I'm going to read further here. But just for a moment, I want to pause and just say, I've been viewing this uh, very profound horticulturist who has learned, and this has probably been around for hundreds of years, but to take this tree and one of the branches is, has some damage. You know, Sever the damaged part, but he can also introduce another kind of fruit from another tree. So he makes a slit in, in, in the damaged branch that now he has cleaned up. And he will, he will cut the another branch and slide it in. And then he has a special kind of tape that actually uh, disintegrates over time. So that the grafted branch and the original branch... Uh, can swell can grow, so that tape is 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 made so that uh, over time it it will just disintegrate, but for the period of time it will hold the two together incredibly enough in this one tree can come one kind of fruit, and from that one branch can come another fruit it 's amazing how he 's done that from this one tree, this branch is grafted in, and there 's a cutting. There's a severing. There's a binding. And this is exactly the view of the Gentiles into the Jewish uh, realm. But also, more importantly, into the vine. God is neither Gentile nor Jew. He is God. He has no ethnicity. But, however, he has made a covenant with Abraham. And from Abraham came these Hebrew people, the Jewish people. So, if God did not spare the branch, don't think that we would be spared either. Verse 22. Consider therefore the kindness and, and sternness of God. These are, seem to be polar. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you. Provided, this is conditional, ladies and gentlemen, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you'll be cut off. Paul is not placating the people. He's not writing a letter so that you would love him. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Verse 23, And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Which means that the Jewish people, in fact, will be grafted in again. If they believe, if they turn, they're coming back. They're going to come back. And we know from prophetic word that many will return. And finally, verse 24, After all, If you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, you were brought out. And contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree. So you were brought out of a sinful environment into a holy environment. How much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree or back again? So I present tonight the responsibilities of the grafted, which is us. Amen. Amen. I don't want to do a lot of self proclamation here. I'm just going to tell you what I was told today. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've preached uh, or spoke, uh, taught, or preached in the last week. It was, my throat is kind of rough. Uh, and that's mostly my fault because I don't have a good governor um, on my speaking. But at the end of the Sunday service, after I got done preaching, um, the music was going, people were worshiping, praying, and then I just felt led to go back up and took the microphone and I said, I feel like someone here needs to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I, I don't always go back to do that, but I, the Lord spoke to me and said, Someone here is going to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to baptize them in the Holy Ghost. And they're going to speak with tongues. So I had liberty to do that. But I knew that the Lord had, had directed me. And I, not knowing who was who in the, in, in the church. There in Halifax. I, uh, uh, I just felt this was the moment. So I went back up and I said. I want everyone that wants to receive the Holy Ghost to step forward. And there was eight people. And uh, one by one, people started to receive the Holy Ghost. And one of the ladies that was there, when uh, when the pastor laid his hands on her, immediately she began to speak with tongues. It was amazing. It was fluent. And not knowing any of this, but I knew that that was uh, the one. And I knew that that this uh, was—I can still see her as she began to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And— I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm reciting this story that happened just a couple of days ago. But today, uh, I received the phone call from the pastor. And he said, I, I've got to tell you about this lady. She was online and she was praying. I, I, in my mind's eye, I see Cornelius. <laughs> she was praying that the Lord would lead her. And she lives in Fairfax, Virginia. And she found us online, he said, and the Lord spoke to her about one church. That's the name of their their assembly, one church. She bought a plane ticket, got a car, got a room, came to church Sunday morning because the Lord told her to go to that church. Never been there before, never knew anything about what was going on, came, heard me preach when I invited anyone And everyone who wanted to receive the Holy Ghost, she said to herself, this is why I'm here. I'm coming up. She walked up to the front. She spoke in tongues, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The next day, got in her car, got on the plane, and went back home to the United States. I want to tell you tonight, I'm walking in the Holy Ghost. Now, you don't have to believe that, and I don't have anything to prove to you. I just want you to know something has to change, and it will change, because we've got something to do. And you, you can tell me, well, pastor, I'm this age or this is my limitations. God can use you wherever you are. There are no limitations in the Lord. The limitations are in our own mind and in our. they're rooted in our own pride and some in our own lethargy. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to cover this and then do what you want to with it, But, but I'm... I'm, I'm obligated by the Holy Ghost. There are just, and I'm not saying that I am, that I am exhausting the list, but I'm, oh, I'm offering you four things that, that uh, uh, pertain to the responsibility of us, the grafted. And I want to continually um, uh, present that we are the grafted branch we are the grafted branch. And the first responsibility that we have is that of thankfulness. Be thankful. Be thankful. We've got more than we deserve. Be thankful. You have more than we have more than we need. Be thankful. <laughs> I just preached an entire camp meeting in a tabernacle that doesn't have air conditioner or running water. I'm thankful tonight. And the moment we stop being thankful, I'm going to say, turn off the air conditioners. Let's see who shows up in the 90 degree. But I'm thankful. The people that I saw, they were thankful. and They wore their best to church. And we all sweated. Clothes wrung out. Be thankful. We have to be thankful. Be thankful that you have a place to worship God. Be thankful that you didn't have to walk in and wonder who's going to turn on the lights. And who's going to clean? Be thankful. Be thankful that we have a piece of property. Because we may not always have it. Don't think for a minute. I just told you about Rome. Don't think for a minute that the United States government won't one day come and say, you're teaching and preaching things that are against the law of the land. Be thankful that you have the opportunity to walk in this house. Be thankful that you have the opportunity to come in and worship God. Be thankful. Our spirits ought to emphasize thankfulness. Because the Bible says that perilous times will come, and of the many things that we think are horrible, debauchery, horrible, sinful things, the Bible says that in the last days they will be unthankful. Unthankful is a mark of the end times of perilous times. That people would be unthankful, that's a mark of the end time. No, I'm not trying to just hype you up. I'm just, I just want you to know God has been better to you than you ever deserved. He's been better to us than we ever deserved. We don't deserve what we have. You are, you still have ultimate freedom to thank God and praise God. You ought to thank God every day that he filled you with the Holy Ghost. There are almost eight billion people in the world and God chose you and you received him. And when we're unthankful, we produce unthankful children. And I'm not just talking about babies born in our home. I'm talking about unthankful converts. Because when the church produces people, they take on your personality. And new people walk in and all of a sudden they think, oh, that's how it works around here. Well, I'm here so someone can make me feel good. No, it ought to be the whole body ought to say, man, we're so glad we get to come here. We're so glad we get to thank. We're so glad that God provided for us. That's right. This spirit of thankfulness should not permeate our country just on the end of of November. That is a a terrible thing that we become thankful just as long as we have a pumpkin pie. That's not. Well, I'll I'll tell you what I think we should do. Well, why don't you just fill your mouth with praise God and thank you, everybody. And I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you have an old pastor 'Cause when I was younger I didn't speak this way, but I'm a little wore out with the saints that are being fed all the time, wondering what is what's in it for them. You ought to be thankful that you have a place to worship, thankful that God has given you this, thankful that the Lord and you ought to treat it with great thankfulness. Let me. You ought to be thankful that you have the health to walk in here. You ought to be thankful that you have, still have the mind and cognitive ability to understand even what I'm saying. Because there's going to come a day, if the Lord tarries, that you'll lose your faculties. You ought to go back and read what what Solomon wrote. He said, remember your creator in the days of your youth while you still have your strength because there's going to be a day they're going to lead you. Your teeth aren't going to to work. Your tongue is not going to taste. Your ears are not going to hear. Your legs are not not going to walk and they're not going to hold you up. So I would just say to you today, when you walk in this house, you should say, thank you, Lord. We've got it all. Now I'm going to give you everything. Because if you don't do that, Then the days will slip by, and the months will slip by, and the years will slip by, and you'll live in regret when you cannot get out of your bed. And you'll say, I wish I would have done something more. But you squandered your time. Why? Because you weren't thankful. You ought to be thankful that the Lord grafted you in. You have a responsibility to be thankful God allowed us to get to to this point. Instead of thinking, well, we had it coming all the time. No, we did not have it coming. But we were grafted in. The Lord allowed us to get into the vine. He is the vine. We are the branch. But we're not the original branch. But he made a way for us to get inside. All of us who never even knew Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who never had circumcision and never had the law and never, never, none of that. We had none of that. Our forefathers had none of that. All we had is the belief that Jesus Christ died and rose again on Calvary. All we had was repentance and we just came. We don't even understand what Shema means. We don't, we have no idea. Shabbat. We, we call it Easter and we think as American Christians that it's all about a bunny rabbit, and an Easter egg. We don't even know that's the Passover. That's the Passover. That's not for some celebration of candy. That's the Passover. And somehow we have twisted all the things of God, and we think that's okay. And we say, well, as long as they, listen, I'm going to tell you, we were grafted in. We, were, we, we ought to be thankful, and we ought to get into the word and understand the word. Be thankful that you have it. Amen. Amen. I want you to write, write it down, but I, I purposely left out a handout for you. It's, it was messing with me today. I, didn't, I, I want you to write it on the tablets of your heart. And the second thing is obedience. Everyone say obedience. See, we have to be obedient to the word because we were grafted in. And to be obedient to the word, you have to know the word. I was talking to a few folks not too long ago. I made mention of something in the scripture. And they said, well, I didn't know that was in there. I said, well, I smiled at them. I said, well, you ought to be reading. You read your Bible every once in a while. It's, it's an interesting read. Because we read everything else, but we don't read our Bible. It doesn't matter how many times at the end of the year I promote Bible reading. And, and if you take this as a rebuke, so be it. Rebuke your rebuke. Get in your word. There are people that love the word. They want the word. You've got... You've got dozens of Bibles around your, around your house. Open up the book. <laughs> Am I a little aggressive here for you on Wednesday? That's all right. I'll soften up someday. But not today. No, not now. We got to be obedient to the word of God. And we don't even know how to be obedient until we hear the word of God and read it. And listen to the young king. Watch the young king who was doing everything he could do that was right. But... He ordered the reconstruction and the remodeling of the temple. And he said to his men, listen, we're going to give money. I want honest people. You don't even have to give a receipt. We'll give you money. No accountability because you're so honest. There's no reason for us to even look over your shoulder. And while they're doing that, they're going to the back rooms and they're getting all the dust and the cobwebs off and they can't believe it. Man, look at all this old stuff. And high priest Hilkiah goes back to the room and he opens up this big scroll. And it's the book of the law he opens up the scroll and he rushes into the king young Josiah who is now 26 years old. He has, he has lived already but this young king wants he wants the Lord. He loves the Lord. And Hokiah says look what I found. And the king says read it to me. So he opens up the scroll and he reads from the book of the law. And when the king heard the book of the law the Bible says he tore his clothes and he fell down prostrate. And he said oh we've got to change something around here when Hilkiah found the book it changed their lives when he read what was in there he said oh I've been way off I've been trying to do right but I'm not doing right I've got to get back in the book I want to tell you when you are when you come before God at the end whether in death or at the white throne judgment he's going to open up the scroll and he's going to judge you out of the book that you never read but you had opportunity to read Go ahead and read about what they did. Look at your history, and it does not matter if they were Americans, if they were Mexicans, if they were, if, they, if they were in some Slavic country when they were in their foxholes. There were men from all sides, even Germany, that had scraps and broken off and torn pages of the Bible. And they held on to them. And your government's going to tell you that nobody praised the God. I'm going to tell you, all the soldiers that are about to die, they're all holding on to their scripture and looking at their torn pages. In fact, in many of those cases, one man had a Bible, and they would just say, give me a little bit. of He said, no, I'm not sharing. And they tore off pages of the scripture and just held on to them while they were in their foxholes ready to die. The scripture is precious. It's powerful. And if you don't know it, you won't obey it. But you've got to get in the book and obey it. And you've got to read it. Hear the preacher tonight. If the only time you ever hear the scripture is when I'm preaching, you are already dead. You're already gone. You've got to get in the book on Monday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday and on Sunday and on Monday. And you've got to repeat it every day, in the morning, in the night. You want to know what I'm about? I'm about the book because I'm not going to get up here and preach chicken soup for the soul. I'm tired of all that. I'll tell you a good story now and then, but I'm in the book. Why? Because it's the only thing that's going to save us. Go tell all your friends when they ask you what kind of church is this. You say it's a Bible church. Yes. Write it on the tablet of your heart. I'm going to be obedient. Stop thinking in subjective terms and individualism. I'm going to be obedient. You're not in charge of yourself. The Lord is is in charge. I'm a temporary manager of this house. I'm a temporary manager. He sets up and takes down. He moves. Anytime he wants to move me out and put someone else in, he can. And don't think that if he moves me out, I did something wrong. They cut off John the Baptist's head at the peak of his ministry. Bunch of crazy people always judging what God's doing. You don't know. He can lift up and take down just because he's got another voice he wants to bring in the house. I don't plan on going anywhere, but I just want you to know the Lord's in charge of everything. It's the Lord's church. He bought the church. He paid for it. Yes. So, well, I don't know what to do. Well, start reading the scripture and pray when you read it and pray that the Lord will fill you with the Holy Spirit because when you're reading the scripture, born again of the spirit, the Lord will give you enlightenment. I have to warn you though, if you read the Bible, it will convict you of your rotten ways. It will mess you up every day of the week. It will stab you right in the heart. You'll look at it and say, "Well, I don't know if that's for me or not." And it is for you. It will say things about you, your personality, your ideas, your concepts, and it will attack you right where you're at. The word will do that every day of the week. <laughs> Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice the Bible says. Well, what does that mean? That means you can give everything you want to give, but if you're not obeying, then you've left a lot on the table. I don't know if anybody ever remembers a sermon, but I remember it. It's called You Can't Outrun Your Fork. I will remind you. Paul reminded, I'll remind you. I'm on the treadmill. Two ladies are on the treadmill next to me. I have my headphones on. I'm running. They're running and they're talking. I decided to race them even though they didn't know. And I won. <laughs> and they left the treadmill. And the big window right there, I watched them walk out, but they didn't go to their car. Actually, they had been working out for, I don't know, 30 minutes or something. I don't know what, how long they were there. They went left into Baskin-Robbins. And they got a triple-decker ice cream cone. And they rewarded themselves. I want to tell you right now, you can run for an hour. But you can't outrun your fork. And you can give and do all of this. But you can't out Sunday your Friday. <laughs> oh no. If you don't have obedience in your life, I'm going to tell you right now, everything you have is religious, it's tradition, it's dead and it's dry. Amen. And the more you lean on that, the closer you get to being a pharisee. Oh. Number 3, I'll move on, but I'll come back there. I'm not afraid of you. (laughs) The fourth is humility. Hmm. I think Paul was addressing something here. And part of what his address was about arrogance that was coming upon the Gentiles. He wanted them to know, don't get too arrogant in this. Because the same God, in verse 21, who did not spare the natural branch, he won't spare you either. Don't think that you can walk into this vine without humility. You see, a humble disposition means that you recognize the actions of the Lord To the original branch. Humility. Humility is to humble yourself before God. It's to be humble to the church. And to other people. Humility is the garment that you wear. And the first day you put it on. It will never fit you. You conform to the garment. The garment never conforms to you. You change into the garment of humility. Humbleness is not going to be forced upon you. I've said this many times. You can humiliate someone. And we say they got humbled, but not true. They might have gotten embarrassed, castigated, pushed down. But humility is what the Bible says you do. Here's the scripture. A man must humble himself. He that humbles himself before the Lord, the Lord lifts up. Which is by indication in just deductive reasoning that you must humble yourself. But the problem is when you've served the Lord for a long time, have the Holy Ghost. Maybe you're a second generation or longer in Pentecost. You lose the spirit of humility and you forget that you were grafted in. You forget why? Because you haven't read the book to know we weren't always saved. Can I tell you this? We weren't always saved. We weren't always in the atmosphere of the Lord. But the Lord, through his great love, allowed us to enter in this place. the people that are not humble they share everything they think they know to lord over everything everyone they think they can but a humble disposition recognizes that it was the grace of god that allowed them to enter and finally it's the work or works now i'm not saying it's the work of the flesh i'm saying this is the work of the lord do the work of the lord this is your responsibility at the at the grafted as the grafted in branch, do the work of the Lord. To the Gentile which is probably our main audience. I cannot even imagine if any of us would understand how to reach a Jew or a Jewish people. Because in many of their minds They believe that if they receive Christ in any form or confess him as Lord in any way that they would stop being Jewish. They've told us this. So in our purview, your responsibility as a grafted-in branch is to reach people and to teach people and to witness and to preach and to provide the scripture. It's the work. It is the reason why we exist. The reason for new life fellowship is not for the enjoyment of us all. As I say many times, this church is built for the benefit of its non-members. We have a screen on the wall. Now when we sing new songs, then we can all look at the screen or we forget our bibles, we can all look at the screen. But really the benefit is for the people who have never heard the song. They don't know. They they they've not known. This church is built for all the people who have yet to be saved. It's our job, our work, our life's work. Something that this is for another thing. People walk in here every day. I, I hope that you're watching this, hearing this, spread this word. Some believe that the ministry here, the leadership here, and the church is to serve them and to, and, and to make them happy. Or that we are all designed So that we can enjoy our life or to be entertained. I want to tell you. I want to put everybody on notice. I'm not here to entertain you. Fact of the matter is, I'll probably disappoint you. Because I won't entertain you. And I've already heard it many times over. That I have disappointed people. Hear me. I'm about the lost. I've got to reach the lost. You've got to reach the lost. Why don't we do it together? I want to to ask Everybody to bring one person to church. Just one. Would you bring one person to church? If I offered you six months, between now and December the 31st, would you bring one person to church? You see, the reason why that people don't do that is because they don't think that that's their calling or that's their ministry. Let me just tell you, the responsibility of the grafted in is to reach other people. It's not just for you. The blood of Jesus is not just for you. You're for and no more. That's not the reason why he came. He gave you the Holy Ghost so that you could be a witness. You have power to be a witness. If you say, I cannot witness, then you are denying the actual Holy Ghost that the Lord gave you. The Holy Ghost gives you power to be a witness to everybody in every place i 'm just at I know. I'm not trying to be a pessimist, but I know I'm not going to get 100% of the people. I won't get 100% of the people, but I just thought today, if I could just get 10 of people that will commit to bring one person to church. Abraham stood before God in those wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, God, if there was 100 righteous people, would you save the city? Yes. I'll save the millions if you can find 100. But, but Abraham knew there's not 100. How about 90? Yes. How about 80? 70. 60 50 how about 10 yes if you can find 10 but there were no righteous people and God will save the city if there's 10 it makes me think that if we can just get ten people and bring them into the church and love them, I'm not I'm not asking you to do anything more. But are there people here tonight that would commit? I will bring one person to this church between now and December in six months, just one. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I want to believe you, but I don't believe it. I'll tell you why. Because I've already preached this before. But we leave and we forget the word. But I'm standing here tonight full of fire of the Holy Ghost. You are the grafted-in branch. And you ought to be thankful for the Holy Ghost. And don't come with an excuse and say, well, nobody would come. Then you go to the next door. And the next door, Jesus said that the servant went out and he invited all the people. And they said, no, the people have an excuse. And then he said, go to the highways and the byways and come compel them you kind of go to people who have nothing that are down and outers that are struggling and you can compel somebody tell me you won't live your whole life in the church and never win anybody tell me that you're not going to hear the preacher every Wednesday and every Sunday but you have no investment in the work of God really then what are we doing here then we're just appeasing ourselves so that we can have another dinner and have another birthday and have another celebration so that we can just boast in a building or a brick or a mortar or a drywall. That's not why I came here tonight. I came here so that the work of God could be made manifest in the days that we have. God has got to do a work and it's our responsibility to work, to work, to work, to work. To call, to invite, to love, to compel. I challenge you, take a row. There's one, two, three, four, five, six on a row. There's not that many. Take a row and adopt that row and say, I'm gonna fill that row with my family and at least one more person. Or I'm gonna take that row. That's my row. (laughs) That's your responsibility. And if you say to me, because these are things I've already heard. Well, you know, if we had more, just fill in the blank. If we had more of this or that, I think I could get some people to come. No, I think if they had more of you, they would come if you love them enough, I think if you cared enough to look out and see sinners walking around everywhere, aimless, sheep without a shepherd, dying, lost, going to a grave and an eternity. We've got, we've got prayerful singers Our worship team prays. They follow the pattern of praise through prayer. They're committed. Through the last many years, I've called some of them out and said, you need to just take a break. Just go worship a little bit. You don't need a microphone to do that. Just about every time, they've been very compliant and said, "Yes, yes, sir, yes, Pastor, out, no problem." Because I've stood and watched people sing at conferences and other churches and conventions, and I knew they there ain't no more God there. That's just a big old show going on. They're exercising their ability and their talent, but there's no anointing there. I think you can have both. I think you can have great talent, great singing, great musicians play skillfully and with a loud noise. And still be anointed of the Lord. Desperate and hungry for God. Not just to sing a song, but to relay a message and to worship the Lord. They're not worshiping for you. They're leading in worship. And to watch church people. Watch the singers. It hurts my heart. I've been in a couple places where the whole congregation sang and everybody was singing. I don't know if they were on tune or not. But they were all singing. And it almost drowned out all the praise and worship leaders. I'm, I'm talking to the saints here tonight. I don't think. If you're a guest here tonight. I just made you a member. Now that you're a member. Get with it and start singing. Don't watch them sing. You sing. If you can't carry a tune in a bucket. Sing lowly or loudly or whatever. Move out from other people who you bother, but open up your mouth and start to worship. Do not come here. Close your mouth, fold your hands, do nothing and watch someone up here. This is not an entertainment stage. This is the house of God. We're entertaining the Lord. They are not here to entertain us. We better get out of that thing. We better get out of that mess because otherwise, we're just going to have a religion, but we'll have no anointing. We'll have a little ceremony, but we will have no power. We got to do something. Faith without works is dead being alone. It's dead being alone. So you can say, I believe. Well, what are you doing with it? Well, I just believe. <laughs> I suppose there are a few of you that if you'd have known that I was going to come with this, you would have scheduled a vacation. I just say tonight, everyone reach just one. And if you can reach one, you'll tumble the scales and you'll get two. And you'll compel three. And if you don't know anybody, go meet somebody. This is, this is the simplistic way. Talk. Talk to people. Listen, I already know some folks do not value this house. They don't value it at all. There's no value here. They'll just as soon just trade this in for something else because there's no value here. I get it. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people who, who are thankful. That have obedience in the word. They know the word. Because there's another sin called the sin of omission. That you knew what to do, but you didn't do it. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, that's sin. If you know you're supposed to be a witness, but you never witness. Check the Bible because you're going to tell me, well, I didn't commit adultery or fornication. I didn't lie, cheat, steal, or murder anyone, but I, I just, yeah. Well, you knew what to do, but you didn't do it. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I would just submit that the failure to reach someone is a reproach to the modern-day church. In reality, many of our Pentecostal churches are suffering. They're suffering. And the reason why they're suffering is because people don't want to be a witness. It costs too much, takes too much time. Now, a church can grow. Sometimes... When, like in this atmosphere, all I have to do is be overly offensive, you'll find another place. People vote on me every Sunday. You vote, there's a couple other churches you can go to. Many people have. They found me not to be credible, so they went to another church. And that other church, we've seen that too. People come here. I didn't baptize you. I didn't pray you through to the Holy Ghost. I wasn't there when you had your born-again experience. It's okay to come here. You just have to adopt this. For those of you that, that, that receive the Holy Ghost here and baptized here, this is, this is your house. Because you're the first generation. Thank God that you are. And I'm, I'm excited for everyone who's made it this house. As long as you adopt me as your pastor and you take me on and you take on the responsibility of the church. But there's a lot of struggle at the Pentecostal churches. Many of them are not growing. They're dying, in fact. And the reason why they're dying is not for lack of truth. The preachers are preaching truth. But the reason why they're dying is because no one feels it's their responsibility to reach the lost. That's why we've created, throughout all Pentecost, outreach departments. For people who specialize in talking to other people. I'm not against an outreach department. I just think the whole church should be the outreach department. I'm not against the outreach ministry. I think the whole church should be the outreach ministry. But we didn't do that. We specialized. You're a singer. You're an usher. You're an outreach. You're a Sunday school teacher. I'm going to tell you what. All of us are outreach. All of us. You want to talk about outreach? Go reach somebody. Chance. Raise your hand, Chance. On Sunday, when there was, we were, the power just came on. We didn't have, there was, no one was here. It was the craziest time. The wind came through. I'd never even heard of that before. The wind came through 80 miles an hour. There were trees across the road here, wires in front of, of Highway 40 there. The the, the air conditioners and, and weren't running. The lights were running. There was nothing running. Many of you were out of electricity all up and down this area. And Chance texted me on, called me on Sunday morning. He said, Pastor, my friend wants to be baptized. I said, well, I'll baptize him. Actually, I think you told me Saturday night. Did you tell me Saturday night? So, I, so I, I said, I thought, I'll just get him in the swimming pool. We'll baptize him in a swimming pool. I don't need the baptismal tank. Because all the Bible says <laughs> that he baptized where there was much water. So, so if it wasn't mine, I was going to come over to yours. If that wasn't happening, I'm going to find somebody with a horse trough. We were not going to miss baptism. I was not going to wait till the lights were on. And it was convenient to baptize somebody. I wasn't going to wait for all of you to show up so we could baptize somebody. And on, and on, and the, but the lights were on and I didn't know if the water was going to be warm or not. I baptized people in the freezing cold temperatures. And I didn't really want to do that. But they want, they insisted and the, and the heater didn't work. And that's okay. Just came up and just chattered a little bit. And, and that was all right too. They were baptized in Jesus' name. And, Hot or cold, I prefer warm, but, but hot or cold, they're still going to heaven because they're buried in the only saving name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. The only way to obtain remission of sins. Let me just pause and just say, no one can get up, uh, their sins remitted unless they're baptized in Jesus' name. Not a title. Not a title. It's got to be in Jesus' name because that's the only way they did it in the Bible. If you want to talk about apostasy, I'll tell you what apostasy is. It's when men and women stand up and teach baptism outside of the name of Jesus. They'll do everything in Jesus' name, but they won't baptize in Jesus' name. Thus, it's disobedience because they haven't learned the word of God. Why am I emphatic? Because Paul wrote, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. I know he's my father, but when I'm about to have an accident, I don't cry out, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. (laughs) Jesus! Because I know the name. And when he comes back, there's a name written on his vesture. It's dipped in blood, and his name is Jesus. Yes, we can call him El Shaddai, El Kokon, We can call him Adonai. We can call him Yahweh. We can call him Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shalom. But his name is Jesus. He shall call his name, she shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, That's right. We baptized him, came up out of the water. Nobody was here. Chance, your friend, was anyone else here but you? Yes, your brother. The four of us baptized that guy in Jesus' name. is beautiful. Dominic. Dante. Awesome. Monday, we baptize somebody else in Jesus' name on Monday. Baptized Brother Tripp in Jesus' name on Monday. Baptized on Monday, Tuesday, nobody's here. I don't care if everyone's here, anyone's here, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, afternoon. It doesn't matter if church is going on or not. There's always going to be baptism. Because the reason why we exist is for people to be born again of the water and the spirit. It's not for us to in, come in and enjoy our life, it's for us to reach the lost and to baptize people. Here's Jesus uh, John chapter 9. Jesus answered, Who sinned? He said, This man didn't sin, his parents didn't sin. Here's the key. But that the works of God should be manifest in him. God's goodness needs to be manifest so it could be a witness. If you are ever healed of anything, it's so God could get the glory and it could be a witness. If you've ever been healed of anything, lift up your hand right now. You are a witness. Keep your hand up. You are a witness. If you've been healed of emotional scars or of cancer or of tumors or of backing, you have a witness so the glory of God can be made manifest in you. He didn't just heal you so that you could go about your merry way and have a nice little life. He healed you because he has a work for you to do. If you want to put it in the proper order, when the when the Lord saw the man that was on his cot, the Lord said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. That's why he came. And they looked around and said, Who can forgive sins but God? And this is what Jesus said. Just so you know I have power on earth to forgive sins, I say unto thee, Rise up, take up thy bed and walk. The first thing he wants to do is not heal you, the first thing he wants to do is save you. He wants to call you out of the tomb, but just be very careful. He called you out so you could shed forth the glory of God, not just so you could be resurrected for your own sake. This, then, then Jesus deviates from the healing he deviates in his next line he deviates they're asking about his healing and he said the glory of God and then the Lord talks about his work and the day and the night and the light and the end of it all he said I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day what are you talking about it wasn't about the blind man now it's much greater the night cometh what is the night that's the time when all of it's over when no man can work as long as I'm in the world I am the light of the world which is indicating that there was a day when he would not be in the world. So I say, here is our responsibilities. Our responsibility is to serve. We've got to care and serve. You can practice by serving one another, but we got to serve this community and serve this town and serve this region. And number two, we come to worship. And that's part of praise and that's part of sacrifice. Worship, we've got to do it. Our responsibility is to worship. God gave you a voice and you ought to let it out. And you ought to thank God and praise God. And when you walk in here, your mouth ought to be open open, saying I praise you you are a great god you are a, you are a terrible and fearful the lord and i walk in humbly before you lord and i lift you up woe is me you've got to be lifted up i've got to decrease you've got to increase you ought to come in with praise not provoked but because you know that that's your responsibility to worship the lord i was on the phone with a with a career missionary today and we were talking and I said just so you know my brother I believe that doors are opened by God but we ought to rejoice because some doors are closed and not every door that's closed is because the enemy is after us but in everything we're going to rejoice and we're going to give God praise and thanks because this is the will of God concerning you So don't come in here and hang your head because you had a bad week or because something bad is concerning you. God is still good. You have got the obligation to praise God. And it might just be that you went through the trouble just to save your soul. I feel a little Holy Ghost rising up in here. If the Lord is with you, it doesn't matter what happens to you. He might even have put you through the storm just to get you in the right place to be saved. Because if you do, then you're not thankful, complaining. You ought to be grateful that you got to hear the word tonight. You ought to thank God I came and I heard the word tonight. There's a thousand places that are gathering right now. They don't hear the word. There's no conviction. If you ever walk into a church and you're never convicted, you're in the wrong place. Because when the word is preached, it cuts, it divides. Go read the Bible. It's a sharp two-edged sword. It divides even the thoughts and intents of your heart. It digs down so deep, it can divide the very marrow, the skin, the flesh, the sinew. You've never seen a doctor's edge so sharp. But you're going to come to me and tell me what you want and what you need and what you like? I'm here to say, stop talking that way and start asking, what What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you need, Lord? What does the church need today? Well, I want to know what I can get out of it. I'm going to tell you right now, probably nothing. You're probably going to be disappointed. In fact, many people are disappointed. This very night, they're disappointed. That's why they're not here. That's why they're not tuning in. And the word will go out, but they'll never hear it because they don't think they need it. Because they've been disappointed too many times, and all of a sudden they walk away from truth. And let me just tell you at the end of that road, there is a danger. It's a mire, a pit, a tar. It's the flesh, it's carnality, it's sinfulness. The day, the night, his work you can you you've been made to worship you're a creature for worship all of us are worshiping something you worship something your truck your car i had a rental car last week but because where i, I was at there was no asphalt or concrete mud rain drove back had a white camaro man it was fast I found out mufflers just rumbling and I, I obeyed its desire <laughs> amen That's now is not the time but I'm, I'm with you <laughs> went through the mud about by, by the fourth day I was tired of it I, I knew it wasn't my car I knew I could turn it back in I drove seven extra miles out of the way just to find a car wash. and I couldn't even find a car wash to go through. So I just got out my suit and I said, it's enough of this. I got the sprayer, got the washer, spent 14 bucks. But when I, when I brought that car back, it was shiny and nice looking. I felt good. Now, no one ever washes a, wa- a rental. But that's how I roll. I just couldn't stand all that mud and grime on the outside of it. Man, if I'm doing that for a rental, I don't want to come in here empty-handed. Have a little pride. What? You you were saved? That's how you act? That's how you keep yourself? Stoic, as if you deserve the cross? Really, that's how how we're going to be here? We're going to sit down and watch the show and not get involved and not pray? Let the young people do their thing because they're young. Really? How about one Sunday you get in here and you beat them to the altar so they can't even get down here? Well, I'm not young. Well, start off in the countdown. Or just come down here, start and praise God and worship. And never go back to your seat until I tell you you can. You know what we're doing? We're watching somebody else. We'll let them go. That, they need that. You need that. What what are we doing? What 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 do we come here for? I know, I got it, I I created this monster. I know I did it. It's my personality, and I blame her. I know, I know, you you got I got the charisma, I got the fire, I come here and burn. And then people want to talk to me afterwards. I know sometimes it's the only time. I can't hardly do it because inside of me comes this, comes this furnace. I get it going. And it's burning and burning. And I'll just blow myself out. That's why it's hard for me to preach two services on one Sunday. I know I didn't have to build that building out there. But if you wanted me to be your preacher and preach on Sunday, I couldn't do two services. We tried that. I'm a sparkler. I wish I wasn't. I'm sorry. I got, you know, some cars got a governor on it, can't go above 50 miles. I, I don't have a governor. I, I'm very bad. I don't know how to govern this. Next Sunday, unsuspecting Wednesday night. I'm already sweating, not because I'm nervous, but just because there's a fire in my belly and there's a fire in my heart and there's passion in me because I want to see the soul saved. We've got to have an outreach church. I'm appealing to the whole outreach department tonight. The day is here and the night is coming. I ain't coming in empty-handed. If you don't have anything to give, at least give your voice. If you don't have much of a voice, at least clap your hands. If you've got more than that, you stomp your feet. If you've got a little intercessory prayer, start to pray for everybody you can think of. If you can't think of one soul, you just start praying for yourself. If you can't lay hands on anyone, just put yourself hand on your own self and say, Help me, Lord, to be thankful. I'm just going to be real bold, and I, and, and, and I don't know how this is going to translate, but I don't think we even know what we have. I don't think we even know what we have, because I think if we understood what we had, we would treat each other, the gospel in this house, extremely different than we are right now. I don't think you even understand where you ha- what you have in your hands right now and just to let it go. Here's what the Bible says of the prophet, that he let none of his words fall to the ground. And you have already forgotten what happened two weeks ago and three weeks ago. Because the words go out and you just let them fall. You ought to gather all those words up and put them in your heart and say, I'm going to review it. Every sermon ought not be a one-off. You should go home like the Bereans and search the scriptures and say, yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica because the people of Thessalonica, Jesus heard the word and they didn't care. But the people of Berea, they said, I love that preaching. Now I'm going to go home and I'm going to look at the scripture and I'm going to relish it all over again. That's not what we're doing. You know what we're doing? Can't wait till next Sunday. And then next Sunday comes around, you say, I can't wait till next Sunday. Then you say, well, I know it's going to be good next Wednesday. I know it's going to be good next Sunday. We can't even get out of the service before people are already deciding what they're going to eat at Cheddar's. You're on your way out thinking about MCL, Cheddar's, Applebee's, or whatever restaurant you like. What happened to the lingering? What happened to the people that when I say you're dismissed in the fear of the Lord, love one another, and you say, oh, I'm going to be like Joshua. I think I'll just stay around the tent for a little while. (laughs) Because the Bible says that Joshua stayed in the tent even when Moses left because he felt the residue of the Lord. But not us. as fast as we can, to get on with life. And we check the little box. I went to church. I go to church. I go to church. How are you saved? Well, I feel saved. Did you read the Bible? Oh, every once in a while. Did you give anything? No, when I can. Did you make any sacrifices? Oh, they get a lot of people to do that. Did you offer any service? No. You know, I don't have the time. I work a full-time job. Don't you know that? And, and, And I got a big thing. I got a lot of response. And you just check off that thing, and all of a sudden, you've justified yourself All the way up to heaven. And the chances are you might very well be lost sitting in the church. I know what we want on Wednesday nights. I'll give as much as I can to you. But I cannot withhold what the Lord gave to me. I want you to write this on the tablet of your heart. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do the work of him while it's day. Because I know the night's coming when no man can work. I know the day's coming when no man can work. I'm going to be thankful. Here's here's part of our responsibility, that's to give. I know, money. I've heard so much about money, money and money. All you want is money. How about other things besides money? Let's not talk about money. Even though Jesus talked about money, people right now don't want to talk about money. All right, let's not talk about money. I'll appease. I'll appease your selfish nature for a moment. But let's talk about other things you can give. See, because time is the one commodity you cannot replace. How about time? Because I found out it's a lot easier for people to drop a dollar in the offering than to give 10 minutes to the church. How about time? How about Wednesday night time? I'm preaching to the choir. How about Sunday night? The Lord put on my heart seven Sunday nights. Led by the youth, but the evangelist preached last Sunday, and I'm preaching this Sunday night. So if you think it's just for kids, go ahead and stay home. It's not for you. But for everybody who comes, it's for them. I won't preach the word because the Lord put the word in my heart. And you already know, right? <laughs> you already feel it right now. Some of you won't come because you're going to say, "I heard him Wednesday." I can't take twice in one week. Mm-hmm. You know, we should have we should have 700 people in this building on Sunday night. I'm looking forward to the day when we have 700 people in this building because we have 700 chairs. I'm talking about the children too, screaming babies. It doesn't bother me that much. As long as when they get crazy, you take them out. It doesn't bother me that much. As long as when you come back in, you don't walk all the way up to the front to sit where you were sitting. It's a little bit of instruction there. (laughs) Because I'll wait on you and I'll say that I'm waiting on you. And that when I say I'm waiting on you, that is a rebuke. You're out of order. But I didn't say I rebuke you. <laughs> I just said I'm waiting on you. Amen. I feel it's very uncomfortable. Just got very uncomfortable just now. Just we just we just lost the joy of the Lord, just went down the drain. <sighs> the joy of our Lord was our strength. <laughs> I think we should have seven hundred people here on Sunday night. Regardless of who's preaching. Because we have an opportunity to come to church. Do you know how many people have come up to me and said, Pastor, when are we going to have Sunday night? When everybody shows up on Sunday morning. I don't know if you want Sunday night. But if you do, you call all of your friends. And if they don't come, you go find somebody, compel them and bring one soul. When you start bringing one soul, I'll be invigorated and say, I'll, I'll, be, I'll get out the second sparkler. How about giving your time? And those of you who have it, I'll just launch here. You ought to give whatever it is you can give. You give your intellectual properties, you give your talent, (laughs) you give your abilities, you give your compassion and your love, you give your encouragement, you give the offering of your hands. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your strength. Some of you ought to just give the strength of lifting up the hands of the ministry, whoever the ministry happens to be, and just become an Aaron and her and just say, here's one of the things I'm doing for you, Pastor. I'm praying for you, your family, your wife, your four children, and all the ministers, and I'll just call out their names. Lord, lift them up today. And with your own prayer, give that. Lift Some of you ought to be giving encouragement to other people. You should just walk around and look at somebody and say, I just want to tell you the Lord loves you. I'm so glad to see you. How about some good words? And finally, a witness. You have a responsibility to be a witness. This is the action of reaching people, the unsaved, with the message of Acts chapter 2, John chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 1, 21. This is the action of reaching souls. I, I want to tell you that we've had many people talk about going overseas on different missions trips and many years ago we turned the corner. I had a meeting with Jeff Coach Farr, and I said, Brother Coach Farr, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find out how many people the person who wants to go overseas how many how many bible studies they've given because we've got a host of people who have a burden for someone way over there but they've never reached anyone right here so we're going to spend $5000 on someone to go overseas on a missions trip but they've never taken one day to reach one person in their own neighborhood that's wrong As if some soul over in another country means more than the 103,000 people going to hell right now because they do not believe in the Lord and they're lost. And that's just Vigo County. I don't want to hear anyone say they got a burden for some country when they have never, ever once baptized anyone in Jesus' name or given a Bible study just stop all that mess. Let's go find somebody. When you start to become a soul winner and you bring people, I'll tell you now you can go anywhere. But if you don't qualify yourself, here's here's my beef. And I've been telling, this may not concern you, but I tell all the upper class and People in authority, I say I wouldn't give one person a minister's license if they've never baptized somebody in Jesus' name. I don't care how many tests they pass or how many books they've read because there's a difference between a practitioner and a theorist. A theorist tells you what they think or what they've heard or what they've read, but a practitioner shows you what they're doing. When that evangelist came by and he brought, he got in his van, he brought 15 people and sat them over on that, on those pews and he started to preach. It was okay. Things were going good, but this church ignited and I went crazy the moment he turned to the people he brought and said, Jesus loves you. And he baptized several of them. That is a true evangelist. I'll tell you how we can qualify ourselves as believers, as grafted in. We're so thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life. We're going to go get everybody else. You are designed to be a soul winner and a witness. Amen. I'm talking outreach tonight. I'm talking about the responsibilities of the grafted. I'm talking about all of us here taking on the responsibilities of the church. I don't care where you're sitting. I don't care what you think. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you think your limitations are. That doesn't matter to me. I'm I'm, I'm not in concern of those. What I am concerned about tonight is the whole body getting the burden of reaching the lost and bringing people to the Lord and baptisms and Holy Ghost outpourings. Amen. Come on, everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everyone. Be a soul winner. Somebody needs to commit tonight. I'm bringing somebody. You can count on me, pastor. I'm bringing somebody. So I got a little deficit in me and you can help me tonight. Please keep standing. You can help me tonight. Please tell me that I'm not going to burn my entire life out preaching to the same people, but that don't want to see revival. You've got to have a burden for revival. How about revival? How about the lost? How about people you don't know? How about your loved ones? We got to reach everybody we can with the gospel. You don't need to be commissioned. Just go get them and bring them in here. Go get them and go to a coffee shop. Open up your Bible. We 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 put out the tabletop Bible study. We put out little nice cards, and the staff got this idea of putting little wooden things out. I don't. We're going to have another thing and another thing and another thing, but it won't matter. All that stuff won't matter. I can offer you a twenty-five dollar gift card to to the gasoline station. they will give you two two gallons, maybe three. Don't matter you got to have a heart for it. You have to have a burden for it. Those aren't gimmicks. Those are things to encourage you to reach somebody and teach a Bible study. We're just trying to equip you with information, but some of us have been around this a long time. You don't need another Bible study. You need to teach a Bible study. You don't need for me to tell you another scripture. You need to find somebody that's lost and reach them and bring them into the Bible study. And then when you do that, I'll change. When you do that... I'm going to readjust and I'll do it on the fly if I have to because I'm going to see ooh, I got several rows of new converts and then I'm going to go back and tell all the stories that some of you are sick of me telling and the new people are going to laugh at my jokes and they're going to love that. They're going to say I never knew that Noah was in the ark. I thought it was Joan. Joan of Ark. No, that was Noah. They may be related. I said Uh Uh-huh. And I'm gonna start talking to them about the love of the Lord and baptism in Jesus' name. I wanna I wanna tell somebody about the tabernacle and the altar. And the molten sea. And the ark of the covenant. And show them in the scripture. Here is Acts 2.38. It's a death. It's repentance. It's burial and water. It's the resurrection. Man, come on. We've got to talk about it. But I cannot talk about it to you every time we get together. Because you have known it. Heard it. Experienced. Lived it. But you don't love it. Until you share it. But the moment you start sharing it. That's the moment. I know you love it. Come on. We need to have 400 people on Wednesday nights, 500 people on Wednesday nights, 700 people on Sunday nights. You've got to have a new convert. Even if, even if they don't believe, it's okay. Be rejected. It's all right to be rejected. Paul helped some of them and some of them didn't want to be helped. That didn't stop him. Amen. Whew. The furnace is boiling right now. I'm gonna pray. And I want you to come out of your pew while pews while I'm praying, your seats. And I want you to stand at this altar. And I want you to lift up your hands. And you know what, Brother Zach? I, want you to, I just want you to play something on the piano. It doesn't have to be a full song. And we're just going to come and we're going to recommit our lives to the Lord tonight. Come on, all adults. There are no young people to stand up here. They're in their own session. This is all of us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The difference between five minutes ago and, and right now is just about 100 feet. That's it. Come come close, all the way up, because people got to get behind you. And I want you just to lift up your hands right now and just say, Lord, I'm committing. I'm recommitting. I'm making a vow right now. I'm going to reach somebody and bring them to the church house. I'm going to be a witness. Come on. I'm going to serve. Some of you need to just say, forgive me of being unthankful. I, got it. I'm to, I want a thankful heart. Come on, say it right now, out of your mouth. Say, I, forgive me, Lord, of being unthankful and ungrateful, because I, I came here to get something. I didn't come here to give, but I'm going to change my life right now. I've come here to worship you, Lord. Help me to put on the cloak and the, and the garment of humility, Lord. I want to be humble before all the people and before you, oh God. I've come here to serve, Lord. Come on, some, pray right now, Lord. I'm not asking you to lead me to somebody. I'm asking you to give me the courage to go to everybody, Give me the courage to go to everybody, to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make me a soul winner and a lover of people and a witness. Come on, Come on, everybody. I'm just looking for 10 that really will do it. I hope everybody will, but if I can just have 10, we can reach this city. God put you in this place for a specific reason. It was the divine will of the Father to put you in this house right now so that you could be a witness of the glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ. He healed your body so that you could be a witness. He healed your soul so that you could be a witness. Uh, I got a responsibility. Come on, say it to yourself. I have some responsibilities. I got to take them up now. I got to take them up. I got to take them up. Oh, out of your belly, out of your soul, pray now. On the Holy Ghost—if if you have the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray until you reach that point. Come on, that's, that's it. I, I hear it. I hear it. Pray for your own soul. Pray for the church. If you—if you can't think of anything, pray for me. Pray not for my strength, n- not for my wisdom. Pray that God. Pray that God would give me, give me a soul. Pray that people be birthed in my life. I want babies. I want new converts. Oh ba sha yama Lord, let us have another 15, 20 people baptized in Jesus' name, Lord. Help us not to be content, Lord. Help the church, Lord. Help us to grow up and be mature. Have some depth in the spirit, Lord, I pray. Forgive us of our selfishness, Lord. Forgive us of our pride. Forgive us of our laziness and lethargy and complacency. Forgive us, Lord, that we are inactive. Forgive us, Lord, just waiting for someone else to do the work. Forgive us, Lord. We don't want to pontificate about the scripture. We want to know the scripture and do it, Lord. Help us to do it, Lord, I pray. I pray for souls. Let the burden be on the people to reach somebody. I pray right now, give us a burden to reach the lost. Give us a burden to reach our, our communities and help us to see a full view of what's happening. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. Help us not to get complacent, Lord. But help us, Lord, to have fire in us, Lord. Help us not to become complacent, Lord. Let not that be- poison get into us, Lord, I pray. Help us not to consider what we've lost along the way, but what we will gain, Lord. Help us to realize the gain of the kingdom, Lord. Help us to build the kingdom of the of, of your own domain, Lord, and not our own kingdom, Lord, I pray. I pray that we would not wait on the children and the young people to lead this house and worship, Lord. I pray for the adults. I pray for the grandmothers and grandfathers and fathers and mothers. I pray for the aunts and aunts and the uncles to lead. I pray for the men that will lead and worship, Lord. Lord, and not wait for the young children to come up and lead in worship, but they would lead in giving, and we would lead in sacrifice, and serving, and worship, and prayer, and praise, and intercession, Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Somebody just lift up your hand and just say it after me. I'm thankful. Come on, just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you spoke to us tonight. Now just say it, I, I want to be obedient to the word. Say it, I want to be obedient to the word. Now say, remove pride from me, Lord. Remove arrogance. Lord, help me to be humble before you, Lord. I want to be humble before you, Lord. And now say it, let me do the work of him while it is day. I want to do the work of the master while it is day because the night's coming. The night is coming. Nobody's going to work on the night. Now, out of your mouth, I want you to just intercede on your own for your own family. Intercede for your own family. I want you to pray for your children and for your parents and for your and for your your spouses. Pray right now. Pray, pray right now in Jesus' name. Come on, out of your mouth, pray. Pray like, pray like they need this. Thank you for watching today. If you would like to help us continue to deliver content around the world online please consider making a donation. Head to youlifetarahood.com and choose the giving option that works best for you. Have a great day.